Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. That's right. We have a new thing. you forgot, now I can say it again. We have a new thing now. (laughs) Each week, we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. Uh, So we have some news. We have all kinds of news, lots of crazy... Pre-Thanksgiving news, news, just some pre-Thanksgiving indigestion. What are the top lines this week, Kristen? Dan going on for you this week. Uh, That one's a shout out to my dad, who I actually don't think is listening to this podcast right now. But Black Friday is coming. My parents don't listen to the podcast either. It's okay. I've, I've, I've made my peace with it. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, they're visual, they're visual folks. Black Friday is coming because it comes right after Thanksgiving. Great holidays coming up. But first, we've got some keep your junk to yourself polling going on here. It's <laughs> our weekly well segment. <laughs> as well as a slogan that I think is a pretty big contender for taking on the keep your junk to yourself uh, <laughs> movement name that I have cooked up. Since since Mr. 40% didn't work out, uh, keep your junk to yourself. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm trying to make that a thing, but this other thing, which we'll talk about, may, may be the better name. Uh, Roy Moore, his polls are going south. That was my attempt at a really heinous, Boo. like not even close to Ariel Edwards leaving <laughs> pun. Um, Mr. 39%, he keeps on trucking, but some people in scare quotes, some people say those numbers are higher than they look. Yeah. Uh, we'll discuss. Sure. Um, the tax plan, GOP messaging, it's working with GOP voters, but it doesn't look like it's gaining much traction elsewhere. We will dive into the uh, increasingly grim numbers for the GOP's tax plan. And then turkey and shopping, as I mentioned, we will wrap up with a little deep dive into how to talk to your family members at Thanksgiving, which is a, a thing now. And that's like a meme. Today. That's like a political like a, organization a meme. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll talk about that. Um, but first, our poll of the week from our fine friends at Survey Monkey. I saw Mark Blumenthal last week. I spoke on a panel with him at Google HQ. And fancy. it was, it was, you know, they have very nice food. They have very nice bathrooms. They have very nice little G bikes outside and like Google colors. And I like secretly think that Mark Blumenthal thinks I'm a little ridiculous. And I'm like, well, can you take a picture of me on this G bike? And <laughs> then I'm going to go nowhere <laughs> just so we can like lock that down, that perception down. <laughs> he was totally game for it. And I felt emboldened because he was like reenacting like a, he was like, setting the stage about how people view polling and he was reenacting this tweet in, in like in real life like on the panel including like claps that were in it was one of those tweets that had like claps in between words and he was just reading it out <laughs> and clapping 
which I just found hilarious. Anyway, so after that, I had a tour of Survey Monkey, and you had had a tour like the week or two before. Yeah, they've got a sweet cafeteria. So, yes, I went to the cafeteria right before I closed. We like raced there. Echelon does not have a sweet cafeteria. No, GBA does not have a sweet cafeteria, but it's okay. And they had, and I met, I bumped into the CEO. I got to meet the CEO and got a little tour. And so we and saw John Cohen, all friends of the show. So we have a little. Um, poll that was in the New York Times done by Netflix and SurveyMonkey, places where people watch TV and movies in public, plane, bus, work, train, commuting, car, all reasonable places, I guess, aside. And the last one is public restrooms. Yeah, that's uh, that's a strange one. I mean, I get it. Like if you're, you know, you're out and you just, you need somewhere to sit. And if you have the like heated automated toilets that they have at Google, maybe then you'd be like, this is a good spot. Never experienced (laughs) a public toilet that met any of that had a bunch of buttons. Yeah, I just haven't. I need to go to Google more. I guess. Yes. Um. So I guess if you're traveling and you're in an airplane, your airport, then you you know you don't want to. I'm a little concerned about car. Yeah. Only because it does not specify if you're the driver or the passenger. No. Um, passenger seems fine. I feel like I'd get a little car sick watching a movie in the car, like on a mobile device. Yeah. But it, it is defensible as a passenger. Um, don't watch Netflix and drive. No. Kids, that's, that's not good. No. But, you know, work, you know, I guess if – Depends what kind of gig you have. But anyway, plane was the plurality. 44% said they watched or t- TV or movies while on a plane. I guess I'm surprised that's not higher. Um, public restrooms, 12%. Interesting. And then what happens when Americans watch TV and movies in public? Have you caught someone snooping? 44%. Yeah, totally. Like, how is that not? It's not like reading someone's email. No, you're just like, hey, what? I wonder if I could. I. It's like a game. Like, can I name that show by just? Yeah. How many seconds of watching this without audio will it take for me to figure out what this movie is? Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. I will say, um, one time I watched an episode of Girls. Yeah, it's HBO. not safe. Not safe for planes. No, not safe for planes. But so I was watching it via the like United Airlines. In the seat, you know, boop, boop, boop. Right. So I figured, and it was the episode, which is Marnie's Wedding, which features some disrobed Lena Dunham. Right. And United did not blur anything Of course out. it does, and everyone in my row and the people behind me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have naked Lena Dunham right I mean, it's a great episode, and I really love it. I mean, who, who at this point um, has not I, had it, I was just like, naked Lena oh, Dunham forced on them? On a plane? On a plane? So you're allowed to say that because you're a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. I didn't say that. I just said I, I mean, like, you know, I like that show. Is, that's a thing. She's made a joke about herself. Um, so, <laughs> and, and then have you cried? Oh, I've definitely done. I've done like all these things pretty much. I mean, I don't care if people are snooping. I've definitely cried while watching TV or movie on play. Like, no question. Felt embarrassed. You know, I don't embarrass so easily. Missed their stop. I'm sure I have. Had a show spoiled. No. Okay. So that's the poll of the week. Good stuff. Speaking of speaking of, of keeping your junk to yourself. No, this, this is a very different. It's yeah, totally. Look, he, a different in situation. behavior that is. M- most likely fine. We're not envisioning every single possible scenario is watching something and 
you know, maybe somebody else doesn't approve of what you're watching. I'm okay with that scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Within normal bounds. Um, but that's, you know, but then some of the stuff out there is getting pretty cuckoo, folks. It's getting pretty insane. Don't, don't touch people. <laughs> unless you've like, been invited. Unless you've been invited. Please give me a hug. <sighs> uh, then, then, do, then give a hug. I, I I'm just amazed by these stories. And so, uh, you know, so there's a couple, there's a variety of things that have been happening. I guess so we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Yesterday was a big blowout day. There were three different things that came out during the day. There have been more today about other people. So yesterday it was Glenn Thrush, Charlie Rose, and who was the third one? John Conyers was today. today. Now I'm forgetting. Um, Uh, Charlie Rose was the big one. The Al Franken number two. I don't think Al Franken number two was this was the weekend. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> we did. We don't even know. We don't even know. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so we're so then. This is sort of in my one of my things as I think through this issue is one. It's not just about like actual. Uh, you know, it's not just assault, right? Harvey Weinstein as an extreme, right? Or Brent Ratner, whoever all those other Hollywood people are. That they are, you know, most like, you know, as it, they're accused of cr- serious crimes, multiple serious crimes, right? Um, then you have uh, violent crimes. Then you have, you know, things that are also in, uh, illegal and assault and unwanted physical attention. And then there are things that are a little bit grayer, right? When you have people who are like, I, this is one off or this was a, you know, maybe the guy could argue that there was a cross signal. I drink I, too much and I make passes at women. And I'm not saying those things are not, are okay. They are just not the same as rape. It's easy to, to have where like we're listing, Oh, here are all of these names of men who have been accused, but they've been accused of very different things. Right. I think it's fair to say that they're not all the same, right? I think that's, you know, they can all be bad, but that doesn't make them all the same. Then on top of that, you have all of these people in industries that are not getting covered, where you don't have a boss that, you know, you call a reporter and the reporter's like, oh, yeah, we heard about that guy. We are, you know, let me go figure out how to, you know, get more people on the record about that guy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about... You know, victims and survivors who maybe are not necessarily mobilized or empowered to call a reporter to get their boss uh, covered or bosses who are not going to get, you know, they're not going to get the same kind of attention. And so you've seen some stories. The Washington Post had a story about people in the food industry working in kitchens. You had this story. This was a Chicago poll of people who work in hospitality who have said in a survey that they have had all kinds of indignities at hotels where you've had, you know, men answer the, you know, door naked, all kinds of stuff, right? You had a story in Slate where they interviewed qualitative interviews with a bunch of people trying to figure out where the lines were in all kinds of different situations. And they were not all rape, but they were things that were clearly traumatic. Um, and so people are trying to make sense of this in a variety of different ways. There's a lot of interesting reporting going out there and, you know, some of these things are talking about crime. Some of these things are talking about women feeling vulnerable at work. I mean, some of these stories are really serious. You know, it is what is what I'm what's clear is how pervasive the feeling of vulnerability and being threatened at work is. So there is some polling that has come out. Uh, this looks like it's this looks like it's polling from what is the hands off pants on sexual harassment 
it it appears to me that this, is this a poll from their organization? So this was a poll done by I think done by Unite, which is a labor group, and in Chicago in the Chicago area that showed. Oh no! This is this. Oh, is that's a, a different one. Quinnipiac poll. This is there's a couple have, different things. Okay. National. Sorry, we are our There is lots of there's yes. all smushed together. And there's lots of crazy polling about people doing crazy there stuff. Is. So this is the Quinnipiac data yes. that asks people about their own experiences with sexual harassment. It says um, about 60% of American women say they've experienced it. Uh, 69% of those say it was at work. 43% say it's happened in a social setting. 45% say it's happened on the street. 15% say it's happened at home. Um, 20% of men say they've experienced sexual harassment. Um, there is a, I saw people kind of poking fun at this a little on Twitter. There is no gender gap in the question of how serious of a problem is sexual harassment of women, that it's 88% of men, 89% of women say this is a problem. Mm -hmm. But then when you say how much of a problem is sexual harassment of men, the numbers fall, but they fall much further for men than women that, uh, that men are less likely to think that there is a problem with women sexually harassing them. Well, they could not be, they're not necessarily women sexually harassing them. They could be sexually harassed by other men. That's true. Oh, we have a visitor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, Chris. the podcast. Welcome home. So they could be, <laughs> yes. So we're taping this at my house. Yeah, you know, it's okay. It's like... <laughs> That's uh that's the intimate relationship people want with a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so they could be men who are sexually harassing them. They're not necessarily sexually harassed by women. Um, it's still interesting. I'm I'm kind of interested in that twenty percent of men who say that they've been sexually harassed. I mean, regardless of sort of what people are. I mean, the question doesn't specify like what kind of sexual harassment or mm -hmm. ask people to define it. It's how you define it and whether it happened to you. So I, I think with these numbers and the you know twenty percent of men, sixty some odd percent of women, it's a very broad definition. This mm -hmm. is not all Harvey Weinstein like showing up at your house and barging in the door and you know and like. Having, you know, uh, people follow you to, to get information, leaking it to reporters. A lot of this is like, you know, just your, your, the daily grind of being a woman in the public sphere in any way, and just being out in public in work. Um, and I find the number so upsetting, but not surprising. I think that's the sort of next wave of the story, which is what do we do about its pervasiveness? Not, you know, not just in Congress and, finance and big business and Hollywood, but everywhere. Yeah. Cause there are still, I, I am assuming there are lots of shoes left to drop on this one that like we've had this big rash of people coming out, but it just seems like there are still more like even today on my, you know, conservative lady cabal chat it was like, okay, who do we think will be next? And the, and the, the names being discussed were not ones that, uh, I have as much credible information on as ones that I had suspected. And then those names did come out, but it's still like so far, I'll, pretty much anyone that I had had, like people had gossiped about right. has come out as somewhat legit or like lots of accusers. And so 
Uh, you know, I and then feel like this is just starting, right? And then it, you know how like what's the calculation for the next wave of this, right? Is it like number of women? Is it how high profile the person is? So like our operatives and staffers and you know folks who are not necessarily always bold faced names in their own right, but you know maybe now if there's enough of a you know wave of folks coming forward they can be i you know i don't know is that where this goes next because if that's the case this will you know you could literally do this to the end of time because as we see with these polling numbers and based on everybody's experience this is something that is pretty pervasive yeah um but does it affect people's political attitude so one question that i have heard bandied about which is a totally fair question is why is it that we are so willing generally as a society willing to believe accusations leveled against men in the media sphere, in the uh, entertainment sphere, but in politics, whether it's Roy Moore or it's Al Franken or it's Donald Trump, who, again, different levels of what they've been They're not all the same thing. Not all the same thing. Not all the same thing. Disclaimer. But in politics, there is – like, no one's really coming out to defend Harvey Weinstein. I mean, there were at first sort of some people, and then that went away. That whether it's, you know – a Mark Halperin or a Kevin Spacey. Like there's not a big constituency there to go like, I'm going to defend him and I don't care what these accusations are. But in politics, there's a, well, maybe he made a mistake, but he's still a good guy. That happens, I think, a, a lot more because people are in partisan camps and you don't want someone. It's also, I think, easier to allege that someone making an accusation is doing so for political reasons. So Right. To this question of why did Donald Trump's accusers, why did that story go away, but these other stories didn't, it's not because the media loves Donald Trump, right? It's not because there's some pro-Trump secret cover-up media bias thing going no. on here. Uh, I think it is that, and we've seen this with the Roy Moore thing, that if there, if you are in politics, there is a belief that there are reasons beyond someone's telling the truth, that they would make accusations. And so it is easier to wrap your mind around doubting them. And that's, I think that's what's going on here. And we see in this Quinnipiac poll, this question where they asked voters, um, do you think that people have a better, uh, do you think that uh, Roy Moore, if he's elected to the U.S. Senate from Alabama, that he should be voted to be expelled? Um, American voters say 60% yes, but Republicans say 49% to 39% no. Um, and there's some, there's another question here where people were asked, like, would it change your vote if, uh, it came out? I think, Margie, did you text that to me on your, the way over? Yeah, I saw that, that like, on the subway. A lot of Republicans said that it would not change their vote if someone was accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. It's just partisanship, negative partisanship reigns all. You had like, I think it was just, you know, fewer than a fifth of Democrats say that they would vote for somebody if they were accused of harassment um, and Republicans were basically evenly divided. Now, you know, the question is, and we can't tell from this and it's hard to really separate this, which is, are people responding to the recent stories or they responding because they're thinking about Roy Moore, they're thinking about Donald Trump, or are they... Is that like Republicans in their sort of natural state would say that and Democrats in their natural state would say that? I don't even know what a natural state would be, but in a state where you don't have like 5,000 stories about sexual harassment flying around in that kind of moment, would Republicans and Democrats answer these questions the same way? I'm sure they would not. I'm sure people are responding to these questions based on 
how they view the current political climate. I'd like to believe that there is bipartisan opposition to sexual harassment. There isn't in this poll. (laughs) I would hope like that, or at least for a candidate sexually harassing, I should say. So in this, in the polling then of the Alabama race specifically, there has been a consistent shift in the polls where uh, the Real Clear Politics average as of press time has Jones up by 0.2. So basically tie. We, we don't use the phrase statistical tie around here, but uh, I mean, that's tie, you know, that's pretty darn. It's, yeah. The, the polls are very close. Uh, but they have shown a pretty clear trend line. In fact, I think as I sat down, I think I saw friend of the show, Harry Enton, tweet some other fresh poll that showed a pretty grim trend for Roy Moore. Yes, this is a new strategy research poll in Alabama has more 47, Jones 45. Their previous poll had more plus six. And the one before that, which was before the allegations, was Roy Moore plus 11. So he has fallen by about nine points. Now, the question is, is this just people not picking up the phone? Right. Are Roy Moore supporters like, I'm not telling anyone I'm voting for him, but I'm definitely voting for him. Right. that's a fair question. You had a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people on TV and out in the world saying there's like shy Moore voters, you know, who, and it's kind of a carryover from the shy Trump thing, which, you know, the research and the APOR what happened in the 2016 polling report suggested that that wasn't really a factor and why there was polling error. It wasn't really that people, you know, were embarrassed to say that they supported Trump and they were afraid to tell an interviewer because they didn't want the interviewers to know that they supported Trump. There were other factors. So I don't know if that's, you know, that's really what's happening here, but maybe this is a different kind of case or it could be about whether or not they're answering the phone, not necessarily lying. And then the other thing that is worth noting is that these polls are done with different kinds of methodologies, like the Gravis poll is IVR and shows Jones plus five. Now, you wouldn't have that, like, I'm embarrassed situation in IVR. Fox poll is live interviewers. So, you know, there's a, there's a mix here of different kinds of methodologies. So, um, and, uh, and different kinds of respondents are more likely to be in some kinds of methodologies than others. So it's not a clean, you know, experiment, but it, it does give us, you know, some, something to think about. And, um, we'll see, I know everyone will, will debrief, you know, we'll take this all apart as the, we get head into the election, which is, I think the first week in December is when the selection is, um, it's it, the national numbers on this, I think are different than the Alabama numbers are on this on Alabama. I mean, it's still, it's not like he completely cratered, right. It's still like, mm-hmm. there's still a race there. Um, it's not like, the national well, numbers. It's like a glass half full, glass half empty thing. Like, yeah, there's a race there, but it's Alabama. Right. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google career certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. There shouldn't be a race there. So I guess it depends on your perspective. Right, right, right. But so speaking of the shy Trump voter, shy, more, (sighs) more voter, uh, 
it has been within the last week that we got that tweet from the president, right? <laughs> the he so Rasmussen showed his job approval. I think what was it like forty three percent? It was low forties. It was better than the polling averages, but it was yeah. below half. Yeah, and he tweeted it out with like a woohoo. Look, look at me. Look at me. I'm Mr. 43% or whatever it was. And it was, which is tell not. Those two, tell those two hens that they don't know what they're oh, talking about. It's not a number that any other president would be caught dead ever celebrating. But okay, we live in unique times. But then the tweet also said, some people say it could be as high as the 50s. That's nuts. Which, that's not. That's not how it I works. I will never tell someone that you can't criticize the polls, right? You can. We do on this show all the time. It's fine. You you can have doubts about the polls. That's okay. You can't just make up numbers. What? And yet, uh, according to some interesting reporting from Politico, it sounds like that is basically what happens inside the White House to keep the president happy, which is... <laughs> I mean... This is the reporting from Politico. Yeah, I just... Fake news Politico is, aides in the White House often show Trump polls designed to make him feel good, according to aides and advisors. Usually they're ones that just focus on voters who cast ballots for him in 2016 or are potential supporters, his base. They occasionally include public polls like Rasmussen, depending on what the numbers say. Yet several senior officials say they don't trust internal polls because they are delusional or just not accurate in the words of two officials. I wonder who those officials are. And I wonder if any of those unnamed officials are former The Pollster's guest co-host, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway. I wonder. Yeah. I, we will never know the answer to that question. I but mean, I wonder. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's just so much in here. I mean, one, like, he watches TV all day. Doesn't he see how his numbers are? Like, sh- giving him a piece of paper with some, like, kind of jerry-rigged polling. How is that get past the smell test. And what are they trying to actually have happen for him to not shout or scream or seethe or whatever it is we hear that sometimes he's like fuming, he's fuming over the weekend or he's fuming over something or other. And so, and so what exactly? So like by showing him a number, no, really everything is wrong. You are just at 43% or 45% or your base loves you, but we just won't tell you what the size of your base is. Um, like that makes him feel okay for a day or two, and so then then what happens? Like that that's how's that go? How's that working? I guess I should say how's that working for you guys? <laughs> it's clearly not making anything go better, right? So I, it's just incredible. Um, I just find this whole thing upsetting. Well, this is how you know it says these advisors say Trump really loves to hear poll numbers about his base. He cares about his base. Yeah, no kidding. And so. It would make sense, like, he's still doing fine with Republican voters. There just aren't enough of them to win national elections. And so that's, like, the, the, that's the problem, right? That he basically does fine with voters who vote. Like, we don't see polls where people are like, I regret my vote. Like, anytime people have been asked, who do you regret who you voted for? Right. People don't say they do. Right. So it's not like there's some kind of buyer's remorse on the part of Trump's voters. And so looking at polls of those voters will reaffirm, well, I'm doing, I'm doing everything right. Yeah. And there was another story today in Politico that showed like his staff, you know, staff has given up trying to contain his tweets. That was like that. (laughs) It was like, oh, was there a time when they were containing his tweets? This is the time when they've stopped containing his tweets. 
So, I mean, I guess, you know, you hear these stories about how people are working behind the scenes to contain him or to prevent him from doing something really egregious. I, I don't know. It doesn't really, obviously, it's not having a desired effect. But I did find it interesting to think about, like, how much time is spent trying to color his interpretation of polling. And so we sent out a tweet from the pollsters saying, if you listen to our show, this is the this is what we talk about. You can listen to the pollsters and we can help you interpret the polls. <laughs> I don't think he read it. But you're, you're just you're trying to incite incite chaos. <sighs> chaos. I would I would greatly prefer to stay under the radar and <laughs> not be tweeted about by the president, but that's just me. Well it'll be the show's the show's account. I, that's true. We would you would get a lot of new listeners, I bet. Um, the, one other bit on this whole, like, how does Trump consume polling? And this sort of is a good segue into our next topic, which is tax reform. Um, but it's it's this Politico, it's this other Politico report that is about how the White House is using polling to figure, to, like, maneuver things around tax reform and yeah. get people on board. So this is, um, when the White House sent, this is, I'm quoting from this Politico article, when the White House sent internal poll numbers to about 15 legislators last month in hopes of pressuring them to support tax reform, it wasn't a usual approve-disapprove. Instead, the polls delineated by the president's base, steady Trump voters, soft Trump voters, lean-dem independent voters, white working-class men, suburban women, um, you know, showing, oh, hey, look, uh, 72% of the president's base approves of him in New Jersey's 7th congressional district. Um, 69% or 67.8% not, <laughs> I can't read numbers, which is a problem for a polling podcast. 67.9% of Republicans approved, uh, which I don't think is great numbers, but nonetheless, so Neil Newhouse... Friend, friend of the show. Yep. <laughs> He's quoted in this article. Yes. That he got his hands on the presentation uh, and said that it's focused on uh, selling an overhaul of the tax system to the president's base. It's a smart use of the data. Um, but it, he acknowledges that they just don't include any information about what the 35 to 40 percent of people out there who don't like the president think on the issue. Yeah. Which is a strategic choice a pollster can make. You can decide. These people are unwinnable, so I'm not going to spend money calling them because there's nothing I can do to win them. So every interview I do with those folks is useless to me. So maybe we should send Neil Newhouse my presentation of how the Trump White House can win over Democrats, right? What was it like? Oh, your infrastructure, stop tweeting, like meet with CEOs every day. And I think there was like... <laughs> Yeah, I've given up. I've given up. I've given up giving my imaginary like Trump Trump plans. You know, shred shred your phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was step one and two. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can do that. You know, the challenge is like you. There's all these people in the middle and people on your own team that you're driving away. Not to mention the actual legislative and policy and fiscal chaos it causes. Never mind that. Anyway, um, so speaking of taxes. So Quinnipiac has done some national polling. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Donald Trump is handling taxes? Uh, disapprove 55%, which is not great. Approve 34%. Yeah. I don't know what his overall approval was in this particular poll. Oh, hopefully I have the link right here. I will click on it and see. Because basically what I want to see is, is Trump's overall job approval higher or lower than his specific job approval on this issue? Because typically Trump does better than his overall job approval 
Um, when you ask, uh, do you approve or disapprove of how he's doing on like the economy? There's some things where he gets better numbers. Uh, there's lower approval of the Republican tax plan than of Trump's performance on taxes, but that's mainly because of a difference in don't know, not because of a difference in the disapprove. Oh, these top lines are kind of hacked up. So it's only like the small selection of questions they released that day. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, the, here's the thing with the tax, the tax policy questions is that they, you know, they reflect your partisan views. They reflect your views toward Trump and they reflect an overall pessimism that anything is designed to help you. Right. So you, you know, you put all that into a blender and then you get these results where, you know, Republicans are a little bit more optimistic that tax plans are going to, these, you know, the Republican tax plan is going to help them and it's going to help middle class who it's going to help, but they're not overwhelmingly optimistic while Democrats and independents are not optimistic. Well, and this is the biggest, I think the biggest red flag that I see in this poll is that people are asked you. So we, we know from other polling, when you ask people, do you think you are like, do you think you're the middle class? Like everybody thinks they're the middle class. Right. A lot of people who are not technically the middle class, everybody thinks they're the middle class. And so Republicans, the message is this is a middle class tax cut. They say it over and over and over again. So here in this Quinnipiac poll, it says, do you think the Republican tax plan will increase your taxes, reduce your taxes, or will it not have much impact either way? And the big problem they've got, I think, is that even among Republicans, only a third of Republicans think this will cut their taxes. Now, very few Republicans think they will see a tax hike compared to Democrats and independents where sizable chunks think they will personally see a tax hike, um, which, okay, you could write off, okay, in the Dem numbers, it's Democrats, it's a Republican plan, they don't like it, they'll assume the worst, fine. It's these independent numbers mm-hmm. where 33% of independents think the plan will increase their taxes and only 13% think it will reduce their taxes. It is hard to sell someone on something that they think is going to make them pay more money. Right. Even if, because then the burden is you have to exp- get, you have to get past that and be like, well, but this will have economic growth benefits or, and look, mm-hmm. you just, you can't overcome that hurdle. No. And you, and everybody approach, everybody's own tax situation is so obviously different that, you know, they're waiting for you to answer their very specific question about their deduction or their state or their, you know, their family composition or what have you. Um, I listen to the NPR politics podcast, which I don't always listen to because I try to take a break from politics once in a while. But this, it was so, it really went into a lot of detail on tax policy in a way that was great for folks who listen to that and listen to podcasts. Like they took questions and people were like, I deduct this and what, how would the new bill affect me on this? And they said, well, in the House version, it's that. On the Senate version, it's that. Like, I mean, it went into a lot of detail in a way that was very clear and lovely if people want to listen to it. We will not do that. And the polling should, will unlikely be that detailed for a lot of this stuff because it's just kind of evolving to wait and see. And also people are not always following it with that kind of level of detail. Yeah. But I mean, but at, at its core, the benefits of doing tax reform are one of two things. Either one, you like it because personally you're paying less. Or two, maybe it doesn't really change things that much for you in terms of your tax bill. But you think it's going to help the economy. And, and the, the Quinnipiac numbers don't look like, a, I mean, on the question of increase or reduce your taxes, as I just described, that's already like a problem. Um, but for most Republicans, they say, well, it won't have much impact. 
So the reason why Republicans are kind of okay with this plan is 78% of them do think, well, it will lead to an increase in right. jobs and economic growth. But for what independents, about, 56% say no. What about this is the only thing that Trump's going to be able to get through this year? Maybe. I mean, this is his bet, his last chance to get something through. Is that it? Do you think that's a strong messaging with independents or Republicans? We like, need a win. We need a win. <laughs> uh, I think it's what voters are saying back to, I think it's what Republican voters are saying to their members. Like, yeah. we, we need a win. This may not be perfect, but we need a win. We need, you need to do something. And so that is the, te- that's the spot that these members are in. Like, Ugh. You, you can't vote something down or else you're obstructing President Trump's agenda. But y- if you vote for it, are you voting for something that independents in your district are skittish about? This is not a fun place to be. I mean, 24%, that's not zero. I mean, it's obviously um, two-thirds feel the other way. But a quarter of or so of Republicans say this ta- Republican tax plan favors the rich at the expense of the middle class. That doesn't mean that they don't think it's good for the economy. I guess you could think those things simultaneously, but... Anyway, tough, tough hill. Um, okay. So if you're at home over Thanksgiving and you want to talk about the tax plan or the president. Yes. Or any number of other hot button issues. Sorry, I keep scrolling. And so I this is a. I'm not on the script anymore. I'm on the. No, it's okay. This is the back. end, right? Like so this is the end. I'm like, I don't even know where we are. So, you know, so there's a theme. So uh, Ryan, who works with Kristen, who kindly helps us with these scripts, I sent this email. I'm like, there's a thing. Maybe there's, you know, can we find all the other things like this? There's like a meme on, I guess, Ryan tells me, it's on just on the left, the meme where organizations. Yes, the, the, the official Republican position is go to Thanksgiving, love your family, have respectful discussions with them, try not to tear anyone's heads off or call anyone racist, and you will probably have an okay Thanksgiving. But there's like, I think it's like the official Republican line. Like there's a whole <laughs> thing on the left, like – what do I do when I go home for Thanksgiving and I have to deal with like, quote unquote, crazy uncle, right? That's like always the uncle. There's always an uncle involved for some reason, but like going home and talking about, and I guess it's, you know, people are going home and talking to like an older generation who they see as being more conservative. And how do you not talk about politics? And does your family respect your new family and your new life? This is like a thing that people talk about a lot on the left. It's something that's like, you know, a common thread we've talked about before on the show about people who feel tense when they're with their family members or online or what have you. And so a lot of organizations, every, you know, this past, this Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving, and maybe even the Thanksgiving before, I've gotten blast emails from all kinds of organizations like, here's what you take home someone for things. Someone did a placemat, right? Yeah. Like someone did a placemat. This is like this. a thing. And I, and I was like, oh, we should collect all the things like this. And Kristen and Ryan were like, we don't know what you're talking about. This is not I a thing. We can't. Like, like Chuck, I, I Schumer, Chuck Schumer tweeted out a like, take this chart home about how the tax bill affects your family and use this at Thanksgiving, right? Chuck Schumer tweeted. I was like, oh, there's another one of those things, right? Um, so anyway, the folks at Global Strategy Group, Democratic polling firm, I have a lot of friends there. They released a poll that says like – and it's, it's nicely designed, right? They had did a good little uh, graphic here about who how you – who the different groups you can win over Thanksgiving, disillusioned Trump voters. And they have like a little angry face versus disaffected Republicans and independents, you know, it's like, how do you, you know, you can't move, I guess, enthusiastic Trump voters. Maybe there are some other swing groups you can move at your Thanksgiving table and what kind of words you should use. It's, you know, oh it's. Oh my God, this is a messaging manual. It's a, it's a, you know what? Oh, I mean, I'm 
so appalled right now. <laughs> it's a lot to memorize. Look, if you know, when you do media training, they, they tell you to like bring an envelope, like, and you just write at the back of an envelope, like three bullets, like, you know, you want to have an index card. You want to be able to boil down everything you're going to say in like, you know, in a couple words and don't overwhelm yourself by schlepping around a giant binder of all the things you want to say. And not that this is a binder, but for folks who are going home for Thanksgiving and they haven't necessarily like done a lot of like political battles with others, this may be a little bit more than you could remember easily, but it's still, it's still cool. I still liked it because I like this genre. Uh, I like the genre. I don't have political fights at my Thanksgiving, but I am. I'm like looking through it. Sample messaging. You should describe the Republican agenda (laughs) on foreign policy as dangerous, aggressive, Reckless, harmful. These are the top testing words to describe the Republican agenda on foreign policy across audiences. So if you want to Frank Luntz up your Thanksgiving, <laughs> have at it, folks. But you're not coming to my house. This is crazy. I'm sorry. So I are you gotta be kidding me. So I went to I went to Beckett's Thanksgiving f- like celebration at his school today, earlier today. And um and so it was like everybody was two or three years old and they had like like a fully decorated table and games and they, you know, and little table markers with their picture and said, happy Thanksgiving from your little turkey. It was like so be- over the top and beautifully done. It was really heartwarming. They had like a full plate of every every Thanksgiving fixing. And and then I make this joke basically just for myself. I'm like, no politics at the Thanksgiving table, guys. Because <laughs> they're just like, I like bread, right? That's what they can say. They're like, they have no. That's like the limit of their like, like conversation. An and it was like cupcakes versus. Oh, that was Lucy's class. It was a little bit older. Yes. And they, I was like, cupcakes versus um, cookies versus ice cream. Yes. That's, they had to vote and they had to wait in line to like stuff the ballot box, which was, they were like, this is taking a long time. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Anyway, so. <laughs> never had early voting. Never too early, early to learn voting. about vote suppression, children. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, this was just like you had to put your hands in your lap, which I mean, I guess is a good lesson for where we are today. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your hands, to yourself. When your hands in your lap. We know you're ready. Anyway, so some other a little bit less political Thanksgiving data that was sent to us. So the folks at Polefish, there was a Black Friday study. The brand people wanted to get the most is Victoria's Secret. That's the most coveted clothing brand. What is happening, America? America's well, I, like I feel like that's probably not new. I guess. I mean like I'm okay. I'm okay. No, no, no. I'm okay. It just is funny in the context of like all this insanity out there. Like, everybody's got to just simmer down, people. That's all. I'm relatively sure that the Victoria's Secret fashion show was taped recently because it, it was it was on my radar because it was taped in Shanghai. And there was a problem because the Chinese government, like, wouldn't allow, like, half the models and Katy Perry into the country because of things they had posted on social media. <sighs> and so... All right. Anyhow, that's... I'm well, just- clothing is the thing that people want... The bargain for the most. 60%. That's what they want. Get yourself to those outlet malls, kids. I know. Now, like, you put that in my head. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Um, But I can't. That's I have to do that by myself or with Lucy. I mean, bringing Beckett to a thing like that is like bringing like a chimpanzee or a baby gorilla <laughs> to a store. Nobody wants to do that. Like nobody wants, and it's cute until they start running around. You got to be able to to move fast, be nimble, surgical strikes. No, no, not baby gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> fast, maybe nimble. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so key findings. 
I just have one simple clip and save. I don't know if it's a clip and save, if it's a podcast, but it's a review, some holiday tips we're going to use. I don't know if they use this in my children's class, but they could. The stoplight analogy, green, watching Netflix in the bathroom. That's okay. That's green. Yellow, talking about politics at Thanksgiving. You know, it's not emoji, shrug, kamoji, I think, kamoe or something. Somebody tweeted us what the right thing is. Red, non-consensual groping. That's not okay. That's it. That's just the trying more to you know. try to remember that, guys and gals, but mostly guys. Try to remember that. Green, yellow, and red. Okay. That's what we found. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Polsters, individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K Soltis Anderson or www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook, where we post links to the stories throughout the week that we think are very interesting. We hope that you will have a great Thanksgiving. And we will see you next week. Have a great holiday, everyone.